You are on Line of Sight, a War Machine and Hordes podcast for new and experienced players, sponsored by Broken Egg Games. Welcome to episode 32 of Line of Sight. My name is NPR Jaden, and I'm here with Corey Doyle. How's it going, man? Good, how are you, Jaden? Oh, you know, we're just recording this at 11 o'clock, almost p.m. after a two-hour recording of our original recording, Crash and Burned. So we are the catastrophic failure team here to support our 32-episode streak. Well, I'm glad I could help. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot more fun than me just babbling about stuff again. No matter what Brett says, um, our Grimkin cast was definitely not the most popular one. And uh, out of all of us guys, I'm pretty sure I have the worst voice to listen to. So, yay. I enjoyed it because Grimkin is the faction I hate playing the most. Well, I mean, fair. But against. against. That, that's, that's perfectly reasonable. <laughs> they are a mind-bending experience. Um, I'm not going to lie, they're literally why I built that list I brought to OVO. The Magnus one? Yeah. That's huh. purely my hatred over Grimkin. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Magnus in a bit, so you can explain what that list is. Um, for now, we got some news. Uh, the Crucible Guard spoilers are starting up this week. Chain Attack is going to be releasing theirs the day this episode drops, actually. So that'll be fun. And then Crippled System gets theirs, like, this weekend. And then there's a few others... And on uh, the week of the 25th of February, we're going to be uh, putting out a article with a full stat card and some other spoilers, and we'll be tying it in with the other stuff. So that's going to be really exciting. That's uh, um, super sweet. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be cool. Uh, I'm excited to be finally getting the spoilers proper. They're doing it the complete opposite of Grimkin this time, so we have no idea. And then the Legion CID is over. It was really quiet after the first couple weeks. Um, yeah, they got a lot of neat stuff, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Those Ogren are sweet, and Animog is going to be a nightmare. Um, yeah, so I still know she counters a full gun line. Yeah. I, I think the hope for the Privateer Press is that the, the scenario packets are used with terrain the way they want it used, and that's how you counter gun lines. Yeah, I mean, if they are like they were at Elvio, with gigantic amounts of line of sight blocking terrain everywhere... Then should be fine. Yep. I was um, really glad I didn't bring dedicated gun lines for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was really hard. Even with an Isla Sight gun line, I was having problems. Um, yeah, and 32 point Blightbringers. I mean, sign me up. <laughs> well, we'll see if it survives 32 points after internal testing. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It could. I want my 32 point Storm Raptors now, please. <laughs> I, I agree. Storm Raptors. Probably only worth 32 points. Uh-huh. Maybe 34. Uh, maybe. But I don't know. I, I think a Blightbringer is worth 34. Oh, for sure. Um, a little bit of news from Broken Egg. They are putting out Theme Force and Caster-specific token kits, which is a fantastic play. Um, I personally will be like picking up at least a couple from more or less every faction over the next couple of years. Um because like, I just want to play Exalted and Scorn at some point, and I don't want to have to buy the entire Scorn kit, so that's fantastic. I 100%. When I read that in the, the notes for the show, when you sent it to me like two minutes ago, man, I was, I was super stoked. Yeah. I think like, it's the a... ability to just 
spend 20 bucks and not the full 40 to get everything you need is nice. Yeah, I agree. It's a really great business move, and it's going to be super easy for them to keep those updated now instead of having to constantly just update what's in their old ones. So, really sweet. I'm excited to see those. I mean, they're going to be the same tokens as in the regular token kit, but they'll be cheaper, which is nice. Yep. Um, we got a couple pieces of line of sight news, actually. Uh, we're going to be hosting a new podcast on our website. It's called List Chicken, and it is the four-man meta podcast cut down to two members, and they're going to be doing battle reports, um, which is awesome because there aren't enough battle report podcasts out there anymore. I believe one of them is also Aaron Allen, correct? Yes. and uh, Aaron and Chad? Aaron and Chad, and Aaron is, for those of you who don't know, one of the American WTC players this year. He made it on the team. Um and he plays Convergence, and he's a really excellent player and a fantastic human being to be around. And what oh, Yeah, be... another War Machine Weekend qualifier from last year also. Yep, yes, he was. He was indeed. He played, I think he made top eight. I, I want to say he made top eight and lost in the top eight. Yep, that sounds about right. So he primarily plays Convergence, but they'll be playing all kinds of stuff. Uh, their plan is to release on specific dates rather than on days of the week. So on the first of the month, they will be releasing a battle report. On the 21st of the month, they'll also be releasing a battle report, and then on the 14th, they'll be going through a list of regional and national level tournaments uh, coming up in the next month or two, so that everybody's aware of what's out there and can plan to go play in events, which I think is an awesome thing for the community to have access to. No, I, I agree. It's always uh, nice to be able to plan a couple months out in advance. Yep. So, Especially for someone like me that doesn't plan more than two, two days in advance. It's nice to always actually be able to look up and see what's local for me. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, I, don't, I don't think I bought tickets to LVO until December 31st. That sounds about right. You were telling me about that, and I was like, are you nuts? <laughs> of course, you didn't have buy yeah, War Machine Weekend I, tickets until like the week before, right? I was three days before I flew out yeah. when I actually bought my, my plane tickets for War Machine Weekend. Yeah, that's nuts. I have a... I have a weird job. Sometimes I just can't get the time because like, it's just too busy and people come first, right? Yeah, for sure. And then uh, you actually have some sweet news for LOS stuff. Um, you and Dave are going to be starting – well, you've been doing it for about a month now. But you're going to be streaming games every Wednesday, and those will be going up on the LOS website and potentially on our YouTube channel. I'm not sure where – negotiations are on that point yet but they'll be coming and you'll be able to see them on our facebook page and on the website and we'll have links to whichever youtube channel they end up on uh, floating around pretty often so we're actually going to do a test this week also and our test is to see if we can shorten the episodes and do a 30 minute post game uh, or a 30 minute alternate video so if you don't like full length two hour with with people making inappropriate jokes in the background, then you'll have a shortened half-hour version that you can then stream two or three days after the, the actual game happens. So we're hoping by every weekend we'll have a, a follow-up to the original video that's just did shortened now. So kind of like Arcane Assist where they go over with commentary? <clears throat> yeah, it's exactly like Arcane Assist. Sweet. Now that, we're, now that we're trying to steal their format, we just some people don't like the full two-hour video, and we'd like to be able to do both. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to be able to do. And uh, you can learn a lot of stuff from watching both versions, so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that. We're also picking up a, uh, a soundboard. Oh, yeah. Equipment, and then we can actually travel to cons, do recordings with headsets. We'll actually hopefully be able to convince organizers within driving range of us for now, because nice. driving is inexpensive, to, yeah. uh, to, get, to get Wi-Fi at a venue for or to get 
internet at a venue so that Dave can come down the stream. Yeah, that'll be great. I'm sure that there will be some mocks events in the future that you'll be streaming the uh, top tables for. That was sort of the hope was to connect with mocks and connect with all the other events and then convince them to let us come down and all they have to do is give us Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, before we move on to the topic for the day, it occurs to me that not everybody knows who you are. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Corey, and uh, who you are in the War Machine community, and then we'll get on with our uh, topic of the day. All right, so I am I have a West Coast Canadian War Machine player. I've played for about eight years. Um, I was WDC 2016-2017, and I'll be in Poland for 2018. Um, I played pretty much everything in the game except for Scorn. Mostly, <laughs> I, I'm just not a fan of the aesthetic. Fair enough. Um, though I do like the Immortal theme. Yes. They're pretty cool. Yes, they are. Um, I, War Machine Weekend last year was my first shot at going. I, I, I was in Iron Gauntlet last year. I'm, up until a couple years ago, I was more of a casual player. Mm-hmm. Again, I was a press ganger for four years. Yeah. Close to five years. And then uh, three years ago, two years ago, Jeff Everett, a player in BC or Bush, to, to do WTC with him. So we had someone to play with and compete with locally. Mm-hmm. So I, I applied and made the team that year. And then last year, I, I applied without him because I had such a blast mm-hmm. that I just decided I'd go do WTC on my own. And then um, ground out games. Yeah. So the process of grounding out games, I was able to win the Moxes Open which mm-hmm. gave me the War Machine Weekend spot and qualified me for IG. Very nice. And uh, you were also the co-host of the Storm Chamber for quite a while? Uh, for a short period. I don't know. I think I only did about six episodes. Okay. Still, not too bad. So uh, if you've heard him on there, uh, we've got him here, and we'll probably be bringing him on occasionally. Um, there's never more than two or three episodes of Line of Sight that go by when one of the hosts has to like stay home with a sick kid or go somewhere for a tournament so we'll be cultivating a broad range of co-host stand-ins and i'm sure we'll bring you on multiple times in the future so always always useful yeah it's it's good to have knowledgeable substitutes um i don't know how knowledgeable i am (laughs) (laughs) ah too modest i uh i I play a lot while i'm not sober ah well that's true i would like to say two things happened this year at, at, at lvo though yeah. I stayed completely sober, and I managed to keep my pants on. <laughs> uh, for Tuesday, those of you, that, I don't. yeah, for those of you that don't know, Corey uh, has become infamous for taking his pants off at WDC last year and playing uh, in his boxers. So, just three rounds, only half the event. Only half the event. All right. Well, um, with that, our topic for the day, and remember that we've already recorded two hours of content and then had it blow up in our face so we're going to come full circle back to something kind of fun and as chandler has the possession of my grimkin army right now and i don't have an army i'm scouting around looking for something to play and so i thought we'd talk today about some stuff in two or three factions that looks like a blast and uh what some interesting synergies are Corey's played a lot of these things already so i'm going to be leaning on him for input and thoughts um and just an overview of what I'm looking at right now because everybody goes through this at some point or another. They've got they're at the end of their rope with a faction or they just need to take take a change of pace like Chandler's doing by barring my Grimkin and uh, it's everybody's got a different process and I thought it would be kind of fun to just look through War Room and dojo some crazy list ideas out of the blue and have some fun while we're doing it. 
As, as an add-on to that, I think it's actually a really good decision as a player to step out of your faction, even if you just borrow friends for a month or two, to look at the game in a different light, especially going from a Horde's faction to a to a, a War Machine faction or vice versa, or just changing play styles. Because sometimes maybe you pick a faction, but the style you're playing isn't built for you. Yep. And then you step out and you're like, oh, shoot, maybe I shouldn't play Gunlines because I find them boring, but now I've re-energized most of the game by playing a bunch of jacks that just run forward and beat things in the face. Yeah, it's definitely true. Um, like Corey, I've played most everything in the game at this point, but it's been an addition change, and all I've played in Mark III is Circle and Grimkin with a couple minions game thrown in. So, um, yeah, so we're going to be looking at Signar and Mercenaries and Scorn, uh, mostly picking some casters and talking about them. Uh, uh, these are going to lean to a competitive tilt as that is where my focus is most of the time um but they we're going to fully acknowledge when things are boring uh but strong and talk about ways to maybe make them a little bit interesting so i've got war room open in front of me and i think the first thing we should talk about since he's first alphabetically is nemo 3 or the artificer general nemo um i think he holds the a tie for top spot in signar yeah, that's probably true, although I think uh, a lot of people would rate him as the best. Um, the thing about Nemo 3 that if you're going to play against him or you haven't played against him, you need to know is that his feat makes all electrical damage rolls generated by a friendly faction model in his control area boost, uh, gain an additional die for damage. Um, this is obviously really powerful when Signar has models like the Stormstrider, which is the the battle engine with a range 14, POW 15, electrical damage gun that also generates D3 electroleaps. Um, and Warjacks like the Firefly, which shoots a range 10, POW 10 with lightning generator, but also increases the damage of electricity within 5 inches of it by 2. Um, so a typical Nemo 3 list can generate something like 50 to 60 electroleaps in a turn. And then on the feet turn between Dynamo, who's his character jack, and gets more powerful shots the more he hits things, and those other boostable damage shots, you can shred three, four heavies in a turn without too much of a problem. Yeah, your standard list is going to be, I think it's 12 die three, because you get four for the two striders, you get five more off of the um, fireflies, and if you go and if you go all in with Nemo, you get three more off Nemo, one for his gun and two for a chain lightning. Yeah. Yeah, on top of that, you get four dynamo shots. You get, um, if you're, you're really desperate, you get Arlen Spray. Then you'll get Finch and her one shot. Yep. Yeah. and uh, Which comes with an E-Leap. And those are just E-Leaps, and those are discounting the original uh, boostable gunshot that went into the target. So I've played against the Nemo 3 a couple of times. Um, he's got some really important spells that people don't tend to think about too much. Um, the first one is... Force Hammer, which is a cost force spell that slams things. Um, normally, it's pretty hard for a Focus 7 caster to cast this a whole bunch, but between uh, the, squ the Squire, giving him an extra focus, and his um, companion Finch, because they're a Warcaster unit, who can double up his allocations and also let him upkeep a spell for free, he can actually cast it pretty reliably. And it's one of the best ways that I, I've seen him assassinate out of nowhere is he just knocks your caster down and blasts him off the table. 
Yeah, the I think the trickiest thing I've ever done was I've, I've had players where they stop their caster, you know, 16 and a half away, knowing a Firefly runs 12. And you're like, oh, sweet. I slam my Firefly at you. Yep. And now I just elite with my strategies off my Firefly and still win this game. Yep. Because yeah. that's not that's not a good uh, uh, that's not fair and balanced as it is, right? <laughs> Basically. Um, or you can even just slam their own heavy over them, right? Oh, for sure. There's so many so many different ways to get to a to do a cast when you play Nemo. Yeah. Uh, he also has a an armor buff, uh, an electrify, um, with a repulsor field attached to it, which is kind of gross. Um, and then a strength buff. So his like his heavy warjacks are no slouch in melee. But his most important spell is probably magnetic field, which is a two cost upkeep, and it just says. While they're in control, he and models in his battle group can't be knocked down, placed or pushed, or moved by a slam. So control casters just sort of cry at this. Um, Krios, one, doesn't care because he got purified, but other casters with uh, knockdown-y type feats or effects have problems with this. Um, and it makes your opponent play a very fair game, while Nemo plays a game that isn't fair at all. I, I cannot argue with that. They've honestly this year been probably the easiest games I've played were Nemo 3. Okay, uh, I was just going to say, your opponent has to make like almost no mistakes, and you just have to not roll terrible, and it seems like he rolls over most lists in the game. Yeah, I, th I think the, the problem I had going into um, WTC was finding a pairing, because the pairing of Haley 2 and him was really natural, and then Haley 2 became worse. And then it wasn't until Grave Diggers came out I realized that Haley 3 is probably just a really natural fit there. Sure. Because she she can cover a lot of those bad matches he doesn't want. He, what he doesn't want to see is a dedicated gun line that can outshoot him. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, anything that can kill three fireflies before he gets to activate, he's in trouble. Yeah, because he relies on those so much to, for his damage output and also for his infantry clear. And then I don't know if you saw it, but I'm going to say one of the most amazing things I saw that had me and uh, Corey Burns and a bunch of the other guys are watching amazed this weekend was um, Gregor Shad, who's probably one of the best Nemo 3 players I've seen play. Mm-hmm. Playing Keith Christensen in the the LVO second round, I think they played. Mm -hmm. And um, on turn turn one or turn two, Keith had spread out where no model was within four inches of another model in his army. Uh -huh. And it just absolutely ground Nemo to a halt. Nine heavies is tough for him to deal with if he can't use his elites. Yeah. Yep. So that 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 game became a real grind for Nemo. So yeah, again, Greg's probably one of the best players I've watched play. So. That that is a fantastic point, though. If you can force the other pl the Nemo player to run a Firefly to bounce leaps off of to do things, you've denied him a shot, and you've also denied him that direct damage, which can be a four dice um, shot in general. Um, yeah, four dice power seventeen off a strider that doesn't need focus from the caster to boost is pretty amazing. Yeah, so if you can just sort of make that happen, uh, which is very hard for a lot of lists to do. But it can it can change the way it plays. Another important trick, and this is for playing against Electroleaps in general, is that flags count as models. Um, so if you just park whatever you're hoping to get the Elus bounced off of on, next to a flag and then next to something else that you don't care about getting hurt, you can soak up all of the Electroleaps without really losing too much. And taking away the initial Electroleap on every attack is amazing because he's only going to get an average of two, but he's going to roll once. So yep. every time he rolls ones, you just take no damage on the elite. Yeah, which is a big deal. So, fun fact, uh, flags are models, and you should use that. 
to your advantage. Um, or, or objectives before turn two. Or objectives before turn two, because you can still electro leap to them, because it does not target, but they cannot take damage. So uh, we mentioned her, but let's talk about uh, Haley three, since she is the natural pair for a lot of Nemo lists right now. Um, it's another Warcaster unit, and this is the one that can summon a mini it's mini me of a past Haley and a future Haley. So, where I think the, the, this list is really good is the fact that when you play her in Grave Diggers, she gives an attrition game that Nemo doesn't want to play. Nemo wants to alpha, do a ton of damage, and then hopefully walk away. So if you end up in a list where Nemo's going to fight a ton of stealth, he doesn't want to deal with it. Or a list um, with a ton of incorporeal, Nemo can't really overcome that. Mm-hmm. So like one of Nemo's biggest problem drawbacks list to play is the um, Scar 1 double Wraith engine. Sure. Or or a lot of the electroimmune um, COC models, right? Yep. So now it gives you a list with a ton of models in it, because I think it's like 40 plus models that have that, tough that. that have tough rise and are always behind a smoke cloud due to tactical supremacy. Or they don't tax supremacy, so they move up and they're def 19 dug in. Yep. Yeah, it's true. Uh, and she's also got a really good spell list. She's got an upkeep out and repudiate. She's got domination, which takes control of a warjack, and it can be a character now, unlike in Mark II. She's got textual supremacy, like we said, which is repo 3 on a unit. And she also has temporal distortion, which is used to be temporal flux. And it's just her and her echoes and anything within 5 inches of an echo that's a friendly model gets plus 2 defense, and enemy models get minus 2. Um, which is just an incredible effect. I played against her at uh, LVO this last weekend, and I was just like, why are Trenchers Def 15 all the time? Why are they like Matt 9 all the time? This doesn't seem very fair. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's really good for, again, just grinding out extra terms, right? Yeah. You run a bunch of guys in to try and hit Def You run a jack and hit Def 15, most jacks have to boost. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. boosting a jack to hit a Def 15 model that isn't worth more than a point and a half. Yeah. The other thing is that her echoes are incorporeal, so they're very hard to kill usually. And they also have spells. Uh, you can get access to Chain Blast, which is the double um, AoE spell, and also Force Hammer again. So you've got another assassination out. Um, and the, the key with the Chain Blast is off of the echo, so Haley passed, the Chain Blast is um, an additional die on all damage rolls. Yes. She is as is le- the Force Hammer. Mm-hmm. As is her master on everything. Um, and then. To add to that, even, Haley Future has Ghost Walk, which is an incredible spell, and Revive, which is no longer that great, but it's still really good, because if you can just keep bringing back a Trencher or two every turn, and you're killing models equally with your opponent, eventually you have models left and they don't. So, yeah, one of the Echoes grants Trusay, right? Yes, that is the grandma, That is the Haley Future, I believe. Yep. And, uh... Yep, gives another, another great option into the... Into the... Into, into stealth bricks. Yep. And yep. all of them have magic weapons, right? I think Baby Haley's hands are magical. Uh, it's her telekinetic strike. It's her brain. Yes, and, and it's yes. her brain she uses in melee. Yep. And then Future Haley has a PAL-13 three-shot gun. Uh, rate of fire one with reload two. And gunfighter now, Looks... so she can charge. Yep. Um, the and thing... of course, Haley Sr. has a magic staff, which you'll never use. Yeah, and a hand cannon, she's... which you will. Because she's theoretically a, a four-focus caster. Yeah. Except um, for on feet. Except for on feet turn. The thing about this unit uh, is that it can assassinate up there with some of the best war casters in the game that assassinate. 
you force hammer them down and then grandma Haley puts boosted pow 13 shots into them and then the prime Haley puts boosted pow 12 into them and then like you've got all kinds of other guns in your list but even if it's just them like I've played plenty of games where it's like well I guess I have the Haley unit and something but I'll just kill your casters so the game's over and it doesn't matter oh for sure that's the ability to, to even feed drop future, dominate a jack away, and then use baby to take the dominated jack and slam it through a caster and then shoot with a couple of models is amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. Um, one of the other things that Gravediggers does so well for this particular uh, caster unit is it gives them plus one to go first, which is really important because the echoes don't start in play, and they can't do anything the turn they get placed. So you kind of have to go first in order to get your list running at maximum efficiency. And uh, that that lets you do it. And the echoes have to be placed within completely within two of Haley. Correct. So Plus... one of the cool tricks I've seen played is that they'll tactical reposition, mm -hmm. tactical supremacy on the the unit itself. Yes. And then use that to move the echoes up three extra inches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's totally doable. Um, and the other thing is that you can take Anastasia to Bray as your Merc solo if you want to, and that gives you plus two to go first. Yes, if you always want to go first. Although most people seem to take Ragmans because the list does have a slight problem with armor cracking. So, yep. So that's Haley 3. Uh, that is definitely one of the casters that if I choose to play Signar, I will be playing. I played her quite a bit in Mark 2 and I loved her. And I can't imagine that love has diminished at all in the transition. Well, she only got better because almost nothing changed on her. Yep. And power up became a thing. And she was always, always focus hungry. Now she can run you know, two or three heavies or a couple, three grenadiers and actually have game. Yep. Yeah, because a lot of the time her jacks don't need to boost a hit because they're like plus two mat and rat. Um, so they just shoot stuff and it dies. And they don't have to worry about hitting their own models because the echoes are incorporeal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so good. Scatters don't matter. Yep. And um, then my favorite, Jeremiah Cray. Cray. Oh my gosh, this guy is so cool. Um... You want to talk about him a bit, Corey? You've got a lot more recent experience with him than I do. I I, I love him with Mark II. Jeremiah Cray is probably my favorite cast from Mark II. And actually, Jeremiah Cray is the reason I play War Machine. Yeah? Um, I think, so there was a no quarter. So I'd quit playing War Machine, playing tabletop games for a couple of years uh, under influence of my, my spouse. Um, due to the fact that this is a surprise to most people, I was actually a real dick when I played. <laughs> um and then my, my partner and I had an argument and I stopped playing. And then one day I was at a buddy's house. We were, uh, it was a, a work thing. And I was looking through models, this, this magazine he had. And the cover art was that picture of the Centurion standing on the rock with a spear. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So I grabbed I'm like, what is this? He goes, oh, it's a game called War Machine. They're just doing a, a Mark II reboot right now. They're, they're beta testing. I'm like, oh, I don't care. But like, this model is really cool. Can, I, can you order it for me? And he's like, sure, I'll get you one. So I grabbed the magazine. I opened the magazine up, and there was Jeremiah Crate on a horse right there on the page. And it was the model, like, for sale, coming soon or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God, order me that model. So I bought Jeremiah Crate and the Centurion. That's how I got into War Machine. Nice. And they go so yep. well together, and they always have. <laughs> First two models I painted, they sat on my shelf the longest. <laughs> Because it was so cool. They're actually, as funny as it sounds, I always found that the Cray with List was probably one of the most complex lists I played because you, you're you paying a lot for cool models. You're buying a Centurion because, especially right now, Polarity Shield, Trample, Repo 5, like the ability to, to move a Speed 4 Jack, it's, what, 13 inches now? 
Uh, and still being non-chargeable. Yep. Uh, four, seven, 12, 12 inches. 12, yeah. But now it's like move 12, I'm not chargeable. And I can do that with every one of them for free. It costs my caster no resources. Is amazing. Yeah. So, and and the reason they can reposition is because Craig gives his entire battle group re- cavalry, pathfinder, and reposition five, which for is free just, for free. That's just something he does, um, which is absurd. And he himself also has reposition and parry and pathfinder and steady. <laughs> And a phenomenal spell list. And a phenomenal spell list. Like, I'm looking at Admonition, which is a, a spell that lets you move three inches and not take a free strike if something comes at you. Countermeasures, prevents range attacks. Horsepower, that's the plus three movement you were talking about. Um, lock target, which can just end games on its own. If you can lock target a Colossal, that can be the end of the game right there. Oh, and, and then jumpstart for the final finisher. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not your stuff. Sweet, it all stands back up. Or even better, like, I'm in your back arc, you can't charge me, and then you're like, I jumpstart, and I change my facing. Yeah, it's, it's like, the spell is super good compared to what it used to be. His, I think his feet wasn't as good. He lost he lost full tilt, yeah. which was an amazing spell I loved. <laughs> but at the same time, his feet is um, all attacks gain flare, which is, ba- or beacon, which Both is those, uh, flare. Yep, and they get plus two movement when you charge them now. So and that's any weapon. So that's a, a melee weapon or a ranged weapon or a ranged weapon, and the model loses stealth. Like so, like his feet became really useful in a lot of ways, and adds to that range threat. So he, on his feet turn, he adds five to his charge. Mm-hmm. So against centurions, these big slow jacks can charge five extra inches on their base speed four. Yep, with a fourteen inch so threat range, pathfinder, and boosted to hit rolls because they're cavalry and sustained attack. And then sustained attack. Yeah. So if I hit, I'm going to keep hitting. Yep. So. What I found tough for the army to play, and it, it softened up a bit, a little in this edition, but it's you're buying 17 point heavies mm-hmm. in a system that people are buying 10 point heavies. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to get efficiency out of a 17 point heavy to make it work as hard as a 10 point. Yep. So given a lot of lists only buy two centurions, they end up buying like two ironclads and two hammersmiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe throwing a minimum. You know, you're paying the squire tax because oh man, he needs a squire. Yeah, he sure does. Um, right, and then you're you're, you're going to play in heavy metal, so you're you're going to be short on units. The list really has to get a lot of work done, which well, is the only. Fl- so an interesting uh, list that's been suggested to me by none other than a privateer press staffer, Brendan. Um, he likes to play Cray in Sons of the Tempest with two max units of uh, the Tempest Blazers. Um. And he says that it gives the list the scenario play that it needs. It gives it the infantry clear that it needs, and you still get most of the heavies. Um, and you just I can see it. Yeah, and like he's he's been telling me about it, and I'm just like I'm definitely interested. That list sounds like a freaking blast. The entire list has repo five. The entire list has pathfinder. You get that ranged output you need. Those things can brutal damage or blessed or electro leap, so you can kill all the dudes. And a rat seven applying flare is really easy. Yeah, That's and, yeah, and they can just apply that flare or that beacon wherever you need it, um, which is just amazing. And they've got magical guns, so they deal with incorporeal models really nicely. I think it's a really interesting list that I definitely want to try out at some point. Well, I, I really like the idea. It's, uh, again, I'm a huge fan of Sons of Tempest. So. Yeah. The other thing is they're super good countermeasures target, too, because they're so fast. They move up, they shoot, they reposition behind something. And now they're within five inches of it, and countermeasure says they can't shoot anything. So, like, they can go um, 
are, they surround a colossal like in the back and in the front. So if the colossal is the only thing that can get to all of them, no matter what, the colossal is not shooting that turn because it can't get all of them. Yeah, and a death fourteen that's going to be worth just to kill them for a colossal. Yeah, and they've got five boxes, so like low pow shooting might not even kill them. I love Tempest Blazers. I want to play Kane one again now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think you can definitely tell that both Corey and I are a big fan of Cray. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, probably one of my favorite models in the game. Yeah, he is a very cool looking model. I was I was pretty excited when they said he was going into CAD, and that was back when I didn't really know what the CAD would produce model wise. Yeah, I think that was a huge success. It's definitely a model that fits the theme of what you th- you expect to see him. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know this, but in the fluff, Cray is on the the reconnaissance unit of the Signar army. He is very much behind enemy lines, tricky, quick, quiet, getting like all this secret work done for the for the the country. And so this really feels like he plays like that. Um, and now for the last one that I'm really interested in for Signar, uh, this would be Siege 2. And Siege 2 is the newest, um, Signar Warcaster to be released. Um, he's got Desperate Praise for Trencher. He's got a jump pack. People say he looks a lot like a Space Marine, and he kind of does. Um, and he's got some really interesting spells, uh, in, in addition to a, an absolutely destructive personal damage output. Um, but he's got Fury, which increases something's damage by three. He's got Hallowed Avenger, which gives a Warjack Racer's Vengeance. Um, he can put a hill down. He can put a Razor Wall down. He can place a turret with a really excellent gun, a range 12 AOE 4 high explosive POW 14 gun. Um... And people have been having a lot of success with him in Gravediggers. He was in the finals of LVO. Uh, that was the list that you actually lost to in the finals of the Champions event at LVO, right? That is correct. Um, but that doesn't hurt at all anymore, by the way. <laughs> definitely not too soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I beat myself in that matchup. I actually think that, that matchup's favorite towards towards the list I'd brought. But uh, yeah. just due to me wasting time and overthinking it, I think I cost myself. That's not to know. take anything away from Greg because Greg put me in that position. Yeah. Greg made zero mistakes all game, and then I end up making the mistake myself. Well, and sometimes that's all you need. It's uh, my dad has this saying about like amateur tennis is you just got to be the the last person to hit the ball into the net, and I think that applies to War Machine too. You just got to be the last person to make a really stupid mistake. It's a good analogy way to put it. Yeah, my dad is a fountain of wisdom sometimes. <laughs> um, the last thing I'd like to mention about Siege, like his personal stuff, is that he's got uh, defense 14, armor 18, which is just a ludicrous stat line. Like, And he's got 18 boxes. He's probably one of the hardest warcasters to assassinate in the game. He definitely tanks as good as Butcher. Yeah. Well, he's got the exact same stat line as Butcher, just two less boxes. So. And he doesn't mind camping focus, because most times you're going to play him in in a theme that doesn't really, he's going to swap Fury, but yep. the turn you know he's in trouble, you just don't cast Fury. Yeah, and and then he's just sitting there, he's like, I'm 14, essentially 1423. Uh, most heavies can't kill that, go. Uh, one of the other big things, I don't know if you mentioned it, was, was his ability to give Desperate Pace. I, I think I did, but yeah, Desperate Pace to Trenchers, that's a huge deal. That makes them threat, what, 6, 8, 11, 12 inches on the charge? Or just walk uh, up I think a whole bunch. Fifteen on their on their on his feet turn. On his feet turn fifteen because his feet lets them all advance up to three inches first, 
And then dig in. And then dig in, which is really cool. Like you can um, charge in, kill some stuff, and then pop his feet and back up and dig in. Or you can pop his feet and move forward and dig in. Um, there's a little, and it also gives us Warjacks bulldoze, which for anybody that's played against lots of bulldozing jacks, like you just lose on scenario sometimes by them shoving you out of zones. I would know nothing about that. No, you absolutely would Se- not. Secret tech, don't share that with anyone. Um, so he looks really cool. Like he looks like a dynamic caster that can get in there, fight, I, on, fight on his own. Um, I had a lot of fun. I think I think his his personal threat is is the really cool thing. Yeah. Uh, because he can feed and get himself up to, I think it's 15. Uh, so he could walk he's, five. He's five, five, right? So he's... Yeah. 5, 10, 13, 15. Yeah, 15 inches. Uh, 16, because he can feed. Uh, so he feeds for three, goes to eight, goes to 13, 14, 15. 15 if he jump backs, right? Yeah, 15 if he jump backs. And 13, 15. Yeah, 15 if he jump backs. Yep. And then currently they're waiting for the ruling to come out. He's able to actually charge. After he jump packs. After he jump packs. So no, it could be before he jump packs. Uh, oh, yeah, he can jump pack before he charges. Yeah, so he can he can feet three, jump pack five. That's eight. Charge eight more. That's sixteen. Hit something two more. That's eighteen. So which which is a longer nonlinear threat than siege two or than um, striker two has or striker two. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about his weapon that I forgot to mention is that it's got ram, so it just knocks whatever it hits down. Um, so it doesn't matter that he's only Matt 7 compared to, like, Butcher's Matt 9 or whatever, because it's just like, oh, I hit you, and now take a bunch of Pop 15s to the face. And you're, yeah, you're knocked down, so you're going to eat whatever's left in the army also for free. Yeah, also all those shots. Um, one of the cool things about... Long Gunners. Including Long Gunners. Uh, one of the cool things about Siege is his personal Jack Triumph has, uh, gotten a huge rework and is sweet as all get out. Yeah, fair and balanced. Uh, totally fair and balanced. (laughs) So he's a Mat Seven Rat Seven Jack, and his bond gives him boosted range attack uh, damage rolls. Um, and he's also got dual attack, which is really cool. And he's got a rule that lets him make a basic range attack during your maintenance phase. So, I think I think for for me, Triumph goes back to the same they said about Cray though, because again, that's the kind of Jack he is when they write about him. So that's the kind of Jack he yeah, plays. Like exactly. I actually like the rework. Oh, I agree. I think it's a fantastic change. Um, he also has, like, really garbage melee output. He's a POW 14, but he's defense 12, armor essentially 20 because of his shield. So he's not getting shot down, and he puts out two range 16, POW 15 boosted shots every turn, which is just awesome. I rat 7 with True Sight. I rat 7 with True Sight, yeah. It's just like, yes, please, sign me up. Um, the gun is also magical, so... He can shoot all those pesky gremlin swarms or black banes or whatever is bothering you off the table, no problem. And uh, he's probably the tankiest jack in Signar, other than Centurions. Yep, I would agree to that. So, I think he's really cool. I think he should be in every list that Siege is in. Um, and then again, Siege is probably a Gravedigger's caster more than anything. I think he can play in a lot of lists. I think Gravediggers is just really good for him because he fills in what their weakness is. So, like, when I built 4LVO, my signal drop was, how do I get as much armor on the field as I can? Yeah. And then hopefully I can just weather the signal storm. 
Yep. And Siege proved that that wasn't an issue for Storm for Gravediggers. Because, yeah. again, if I can shoot you, I'm fine. But if I can't shoot you, man, a smoke cloud, I lose. Yeah. But Siege is like, I don't care. I'm just going to give Fury to these guys, kill that, and then put it on these guys next turn after I upkeep it on them to kill that. And you've just lost a ton of models. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's uh he's definitely that armor cracker that the faction really needs. Like it has striker three with the same spell, but Siege's personal output's a lot higher than striker threes, and he's also a lot harder to kill. And the the feet buffs the feet buffs the army where striker's feet's just auto hitting. Yeah. So like if, if you can't oh threat me with your speed six trenchers, then it's fine if you have a feet that auto hits. Mm-hmm. With Siege, you, you just don't, you you're just gonna threat me. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, those are the forecasters that I'm looking at the most in Signar. Um, if I was also, I would also probably be looking at uh, uh, Kane 3 and maybe Constance Blaze because I just really like her. Um, and Striker 2 because I think he's probably one of the better Grimkin answers out there. But I think Siege largely fills his role at this point. So, yup. And now to make my decisions harder, uh, we're going to talk about Mercenaries, which is something else that Corey's very well acquainted with. Um, I, I might be currently playing them. You, you might be. Uh, might would, be. You, would you please tell us about your LVO Magnus 2 list? Because I don't think a lot of people have been exposed to this madness. <laughs> I don't know if it's madness. But I'll tell you the story of how it was made. Sure. So I, I bought a used lot of Menos stuff. When it came in the mail, I opened up my box, took out all the Menos stuff, and in the bottom were two boxes of... Uh, steal at halberdiers, and I thought, hey, cool. I think I own some of these. I'm gonna go put these in my my spare room. So I have a spare room. I've been a PG for years. I have an addiction buying models, and I like the fact that eBay exists and you can buy <laughs> cheap used. So I buy a lot of cheap used lots. So mm-hmm. I walk into my room. I find my market my mercenary shelf. I pull up my mercenary bins. I start putting away the the steelhead, and I look, and I'm like, oh, I already have two boxes of steelhead. They're brand new, unopened. Oh, well, I remember. Actually, painted some steelhead before once too. So then I went through my trays and I found, holy crap, I have 80 steelhead. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with 80 steelhead, but I'm like, can I even put these in a list? So, so we, we were actually, it was the week of Attack X, and Aaron and Alan, I, Aaron Allen was actually at my house, who stayed uh-huh. for Attack X. And I convinced him to play a game, and I put it on the board, I put um, 60 steelhead. And he looked at me and goes, Are you dumb? And I'm like, What? He goes, There's no Alexia in the Risen. And I'm like, Oh my God, I got to go get Alexia. So I grabbed Alexia in the Risen, we retailed the list. And it became four max steelhead, two mint steelhead, Alexi and the Risen, four free solos, uh, enough points for Anastasia to Bray to still give me my four free solos because he's a 28 caster. So uh-huh. in irregular, I still get my 100 points. Yep. And um, I, I was just filling out the last the last points of um, his uh, his jack points, which is really easy when you play Magnus because he wants nomads. Yes, he does. Like none other caster, he really wants nomads. Yeah, because he's got field marshal and yielding, and he also has escort and and bullet dodger. So the my secondary pick for a jack when I bought the two nomads and I had ten points left over was just an easy default to a vanguard. Yeah, I, I love his character jack. I think it, the renegades are really neat. Not character his personal jacks. Mm-hmm. Like the renegades are super neat. I just think that the vanguard was set defense. Yeah, oh, def- absolutely. F15 jack was set defense that just dodges when you miss him. Yep. So for scoring a zone, which is what happened in my game versus Brett, I probably just should have ran the Vanguard into the one zone and then not made the tax for a turn, and it would have made it a lot harder for Brett to, to win that game against me. Yeah. So yeah. in case it's... you guys do a at-rep version, uh, Brett beat me in LVO and made me very sad. Yeah. Well, we, we did touch on it, and then that, that footage went up in flames. But uh, 
I'm sure we'll re-record it this weekend. It's just that Chandler's got to go out of town tomorrow, and uh, he's already had like three days of insanity after LVO. So uh, we're just uh, we're giving him a break. Um, yep, Mag- up Magnus Spellus is actually pretty good too. Um, it's got Bullet Dodger, like you said. <laughs> And then he's got Calamity, which is a minus two defense and arm upkeep spell, which is really good. It feels like a trap with him, though. Am I right? So I will tell you this. I have cast Calamity the entirety of twice in 20-plus games of the Magnus. And what I realize is, and I heard this from Charles Sung, so I'm quoting Charles Sung here. Okay. Again, we've talked about Magnus a lot. His most powerful damage buff is Allocate 4. Okay. The reason I say allocate four is because calamity is a cost three spell, but he's he's focused six, so you're gonna mm-hmm. have to boost to really get it on a target. Sure. So for the damage output you gain from that, you're better off to just allocate four focus to two of your nomads mm-hmm. and just go buy attacks. That's fair. Uh, now I calamity a couple of times when my jacks have died to be like, oh my steelhead need to kill that. Here's yeah. calamity, and now I back up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's that's a great point. Um, I think that's probably. 100% true. I mean, if Charles says it's true, it must be true, right? Well, he he is a better Magnus 2 player than I am. I think he just builds, like, more typical Magnus 2 lists than you build. <laughs> Mine is definitely not the norm. No. Uh, but but he's Convection's a, a janky spell. I think I've cast it once also, and then he's got Obliterate, which I've never cast. It, that is the most garbage of garbage nukes. And to be honest, the reason the reason I picked Magnus 2 to run the list I built, because I had tons of choices, and I'm actually looking at Gaston 2 now as a second choice. The reason I picked it was because he has a control feat. Oh, and yes. with 70 models on the table, you want a control feat. Yes, you do. Because I want to be able to land as many models as I can and not eat a bunch of retribution for it. Yeah. So his feat is you pick two table edges, and for a round, your opponent's or enemy models beginning in his beginning and advance in his control range cannot advance towards those table edges for one round so that includes things like vengeance regis vengeance overtake um killing spree which is basically overtake sidestep um none of those things work so if you can get a lock on a zone or preferably two zones and like a flag and then pop his feet if they don't have guns and can't kill him you just win yeah, so the, one of the one of the keys is to to have again you have those three solos. If you have Ragman in those solos, and you can pop Magnus with the three of Ragman, even if they have light power guns that they can kill Ragman. Magnus is armor nineteen, mm-hmm. um, because of escorts. We seventeen base, and then when they shoot Ragman, he has sack pawn. So mm-hmm. Magnus just becomes the target of those. So you can keep Magnus safe from like the big guns, or you can keep Magnus further up the field that you want to control what you can, and then still protect. That poor little, uh, that poor little useless dude on the flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because they can't shoot at the. Yeah, if you put Ragman on the flag, is what you're saying. Yeah, you want to put Ragman on the flag because he just soaks damage like none other. It's actually how I got past uh, Jeff Everett was he went for shots on Ragman, not not realizing Sackbond was going to save him. Yeah. In Jeff's defense, he hasn't played War Machine in six months, That's so fair. I think that was a not a mistake, just a miss a misplay. So um, there's a lot of ways to build a Magnus 2 list. The typical one that uh, a lot of people are running because Charles was running it is five Nomads, a Freeboater, and then a couple of Lights, and then a bunch of two-man units so that you get all the advanced moves in the world. Um, I've played against that. I've got a battle report up on the website. It is brutal as all get out. You played against Charles playing it too, and he's... I did. 
super solid as a player with that list. Yes, yes, he absolutely was. Um, I think I surprised him a little bit because I actually knew what he was going to do. So I I didn't like completely just instantly lose, but man, that list is hard. Um, yeah, lose, losing a turn of events and feels almost like a Haley feat. Luckily, it's only control twelve, right? Yeah, but but at four, but at fourteen nineteen, he's a tough caster to shoot off the table if he gets right up there and catches as much as he can. Yeah, oh absolutely, he's really really hard to kill. Um, and if you go in him on melee, if he's got escort up, he's fourteen twenty one because he has unyielding. Um. And it's just really, really, really hard to kill him. And uh, he was, we had, uh, on my ATC team, we had a guy playing Magnus 2. And in the final round, he played into Karchev on Recon. And his turn 2, he went second. He slammed three heavies out of both zones. And Magnus popped his feet and charged and sat four inches away from the entirety of a Karchev army. And the only gun on the list was Karchev's. And... (laughs) And it was just like the like the Karchev player was like, um, well, I guess I'll try and throw something at you. Oh, wait, I can't advance towards that. And they took about 20 minutes trying to decide if they could actually do anything, and then the other guy just extended his hand after not making a single attack that game. Yeah, the the, the problem with Magnus is he's, he's a negative play experience for a player that's never seen Magnus. Yes. The, the bonus of Magnus is you, anyone can make a game out of it once they've seen it. So my... My first round of, of champions, I played a guy, a gentleman, really nice guy, Aaron, uh, playing Legion, and he didn't realize what Magnus's feet was fully. Ah. So when he, when he advanced up, I, I have Anastasia on my list because mm-hmm. she's a necessity. I like going first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rolled the dice. I win the, the, the turn to go first, and I run everything as far forward as I can. So mm-hmm. now I'm threatening the backside of all the zones. So if mm-hmm. he moves into the zones, I'm going to get to charge. Yeah. And he's playing um, double... Uh, Legion double battle engine. Yep. And he stops them both outside the zone. I'm like, well, if Magnus can just face tank all the stuff he can throw me shooting wise, I just win this game. Mm-hmm. So I, I hummed and hawed, and my opponent was really great. He, he's like, well, I've got spell piercers. Remember that escort doesn't matter. And I'm like, awesome. Like, again, played a really nice guy. And at this point, I think he figured out what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we walked through the assassination run. I figured it was. A 30%er at best. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll put Magnus here. I'll put his shield guard within range. Uh, I'll go swarm him with as many models as I can and engage what I can. And I did it. Feated. Uh, he went for the assassination. And again, it, with the shield guard, it ended up being less than 20%. Mm-hmm. And uh, fails the assassination. I win the game without rolling a dice. Yep. Shy yeah. first turn. So like, it's a super toxic play experience. And we talked about it after. And then I, I got so lucky. I got to play him in the Masters the next day. Mm-hmm. That was a game. Like yeah. we had a full solid game out of it because he just didn't let me have the zones. Yeah. So yeah, not, no, it's, it's true. Yeah. Um, you can definitely make a game out of it if you know what it, it's going to do. But, yeah, I've seen it just, like, crush people. And it's it feels really bad for that person. It's just like, uh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it, it feels is... almost like a Hilly, one feet, Hilly 2 feet pre-nerfs. But at the same time, it's fightable. Yeah, as soon as you understand what it does, you can get around it. Um. So that's that's Magnus too. He's I think probably the strongest caster in mercenaries right now. I think he's the most versatile, which in this in Mark Three makes him super viable. Yeah, um, and then he's got a lot of options to pair with him, and uh, we're gonna talk about a couple of those. The first one is Gaston Cross, Resistance Fighter, who is somebody that I just want to play so bad. Um, 
he looks like a ton of fun. His entire stick <laughs> is like just being a super solo that guns down the world on his own. And then he's also got some sweet army supporting spells. See, this is this goes back to the the Haley three pairs really well with Nemo three thought. This Gaston pairs really well with the Charles Sung version of of the list mm-hmm. because Charles Charles version asks a question. Here's my five advanced move nomads that are sitting twenty four inches off the board on top of one. Mm-hmm. Can you beat that? And with Gaston, it's here's my trencher shield wall you can't my trencher cloud wall you can't see past, mm-hmm. and I turn whatever I want into shield guards or you can build. 20 steal it into the list or you can build them out of mouth models yeah i, I so really like my, the zealots version yeah here's my zealots which are going to recursion and i have shield guard on so yeah. i'm going to make you kill my zealots oh, we'll go through a spell list because i think it's important to see it yeah. so let's wait let's touch on his things um he's got a he's got a lot of things that mess with souls so he's speed six mass six rat six he's just like generic he's got a range 12 power 12 that's rate of fire two and he's focus six, so it's just like very baseline, right? And then he's got a, an ability where he can spend a soul token to get plus three defense. He's got an ability where if he's got one soul token, he gets signs importance on his ranged weapon. Or he can spend three soul tokens to make it rate of fire four and give all of the attack and damage rolls boosted. And then he gets souls from when he kills things with it. So he can just like destroy stuff on his own. Um, he's got Dark Fire, which is a nuke that gets soul tokens. Dauntless Resolve, which is the spell that Maddox has. It gives it a unit plus three armor and tough. Um, Fire Group, which is plus two range. Ghost Walk, which is Ghost Walk. And then, is this a new spell on his card, Lifebound? Uh, it's, it's so, when they did the CAD, it was the last one that came out. They were touching on it. I think they went through it three or four different variants to find one that worked. And this is the final one. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a it's it's a custom spell to him. Yeah, and what it does is it gives a living model or unit shield guard, and when it's when a model in that unit is destroyed by an enemy attack, Gaston gets the soul token, um, and that's just awesome. Um, and then his feet is his. It also gives it also you said it also gives shield guard, right? Yes. So Sorry. like your colossal is unkillable because you have ten shield guards for eleven points. Yeah, or your heavies are just never getting touched, or your um, if you're playing the Signar version, you've got storm lances in your list; they're never getting touched. Yeah, um, and you're just continually getting the the juicy juicy souls you want. Yep, so that Magnus can go and one round a heavy on his own. Um, and then his feet gives everything currently in his control: Ghost Walk and Stealth and Running Gun. And Running Gun is ranged sprint. If you kill something with a ranged attack, you can make a full advance. Um, man, that just sounds like a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, and it makes for a really, really good combined arms force. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a really good balance out of it, so you just have to make a complementary list that complements what it can't face. And honestly, other than stealth spam, this list is super good. Yeah, it looks it looks like it's got... Well, the thing is, I think you can build him in about a thousand different ways, and I think they're all viable for different reasons. If you want to like, go... In almost every theme. Yeah, like if you want to go infantry, skewed, armor brick, you can do Dauntless Resolve and Lifebound on um, the Forge Guard with the battle engines and just do recursion and get soul tokens and blast things and the battle engines never die to guns because you've got Lifebound, shield guards everywhere. 
Um, you can play in Lely's Resistance, and you can play in a whole bunch of different ways. Like you can have Choir to buff up his jacks for the the fire group on the run and gun, or you can have and Zealots, which recur for lifebound. You can have Signar with the cloud wall and the the long the the trenchers and then the storm lances and all the other tricks that Signar brings. Um, we bring him with Alexia, so you get the corpse tokens as well from the things that die to lifebound. Like there's just all kinds of stuff you can do. Yeah, I'm actually going to swap him into my uh, my Magnus two list for a bit. And just play it like that? Just play him with 70 dudes. That sounds like totally awful to play against. Well, uh, we'll see. doesn't have Magnus' speed. That's true. The only thing that his card doesn't have built into it is a damage buff. Um, that I think is... Well, with the exception of having five souls. With the exception of having five souls. Um, when he can just go ahead and go kaboom. Because then he's shooting uh, signs of board and boosted to hits, range twelve, pow twelves. He shoots four of them, and uh, it's just utter madness. So, I I think he's very cool. I like his model too. Uh, there's just nothing. I... It's really pretty. Yeah. Um. So, uh, going through the list of things that Magnus can pair with, uh, this is probably my favorite caster in Mercs, and that is Ashlyn Delis. Um, mine also and if you've listened to any more of the regular line of sight cast you know that Chandler and Brett also have an awesome or rather a ridiculous amount of love for this particular character Chandler's even named one of his kids after her for crying out loud so um, there it is and uh, she's also a super solo um, she's got a POW 11 mat 8 uh, sword that's ranged 2 on her activation She's got dual attack and a hand cannon. She gives other Lely's models plus one to hit. Um, and she's got a really good spell list now. A really good spell list. And she's 17-15, which for a caster in a faction that has jacks that prevent knockdown, is really it's really good. good. Yeah. Um, so she's got admonition. She's got chosen ground, which is a control spell that gives her and her battle group pathfinder and steady. So there's just like you're preventing knockdown right there. Um, she's got Distraction, which is uh, somewhat of a trap spell. It just gives a warrior model unit my suit F and Matt and can't make rage attacks. She's got Flashing Blade, so she can go mini butcher mode. She's got Gallows, so she's got a threat extender. And she's got Quicken, so she's got an even bigger threat extender. Um, and then her feet is like the ultimate just dice probability cluster bomb in the world. Um, it's very simple. Everybody rolls two extra dice to hit in her control area. And then you choose which dice they keep. Um, they keep two dice. And, uh, yeah, that that means that on average your opponents are rolling like f three to four and you're rolling like nine to ten. And the odds of crits go to zero percent for your opponent while they double or triple for you. Yeah, you get, you get like close to an 80% crit rate on her feet turn. Um, which for a faction that can like crit uh, dismember or crit amputate or crit uh, devastation or crit brutal damage or all kinds of things is ridiculous. Um, so I don't think anybody has narrowed in on an exact build for her. She's too versatile now. Is that true? Yeah, I 100% I, I agree. I think the, the problem with finding a good build for her is that 
it's not just finding the build for her, it's finding the, the, the list that pairs with again, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. you go to a Steamroller, I went with the intent of playing Magnus 2 for the entirety of the LVO and played Ostrom three of my three of my 11 games, four of my 11 games were Ostrom. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I went to Champions thinking I looked at all the Champions lists and I don't think there's a list I can't play Magnus into and I ended up playing Ostrom in the finals. Yeah. Because Magnus can't deal with trenchers. Like, especially 30 of them. Yeah. So it's finding it's finding a list, and with with Ashland, like you want to lead right towards Smoke Cloud, but then your off unit, if you play Lady's Resistance, is going to be Lancers or Long Gunners, and then you really reduce what you're allowed for options, because then yeah. all she can get for additional models is um, Thorn Gun Mages, and... Thorn Gun Mages, and the knockdown trash guys. Yeah. Whereas I think the 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 Lady's Resistance builds that I've been playing with her that I really like. Uh, she has a unit of Temple Flame Guard, um, and because they become Lei Lees, uh, they can get Pathfinder from the Theme Force, and then she can put Quicken on them. And with Set Defense at Def Thirteen on her feet turn, they are never dying to anything ever. Um, Def and then, Fifteen versus shooting. Yeah, Def Fifteen versus shooting, uh, and their armor twenty if they mini feet that turn as well. Um, and then backing that up, you have. Merc Gunjacks with the choir, which the, they were not designed with the choir in mind. <laughs> you mean they don't pay a choir tax? They don't pay a choir are you, tax. Are you saying the Mariner at 14 points is okay? Uh, with choir buffs? Yes. <laughs> like That's the only time I use the Mariner is when I get the choir buff. Yeah. Oh, no. I like the Mariner a lot with her. Um, but at the same time, you could also just play her in Irregulars and throw whatever the heck you want in the list, and it's just going to be fine. Like, her, her list, her feet makes so many things just play. I've got a build that I'd like to try out where she's got Wrong Eye and Snapjaw on her list with a Swamp Horror because it's got Crit Amputate. And so it's just like, if you damage one box on a, on a column on a Warjack or a, on an Aspect on a Warbeast, it just fills that entire column. And Pete with Storm Starcross seems absolutely miserable. Oh yeah, and then you get to play with Starcross. So... On her feet turn, your opponent rolls five dice and drops the three highest. And that makes their average, like, three. <laughs> so. Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> and it's really, like, the funny thing about Ashlyn, especially now that she's got Chosen Ground and can't be knocked down, you just run her at your opponent on your feet turn and hope and pray that they try and assassinate her. Because if they try to, you basically win. Because she has repost. Well, she's got repost for one thing, and um, even more than that, like they just have to dedicate their entire army to doing it, and they're probably going to fail. Like it's a high percentage chance they do. Def seventeen then... can't be knocked down. Yeah. Four yeah. dice. Yeah, no, there's it, you'd be pointless going for an assassination unless you have auto hit stuff. Yeah. Um. So it's just like so if they do that, then you're just like, well, I guess I get to kill your entire army that's now in charge range. Thanks. Man, now so, I gotta go play freaking Ashland of the Least. Ugh. <laughs> so many more games I gotta play. I'm so not sorry. I've I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to retire from work. <laughs> just so I can play more games. That that's the dream, right? To be able to retire and just play War Machine all day. Uh um, by the time I can I'll be too old to play War Machine. Yeah, I know, right? I'll have to stand with my walker at the table. <laughs> because my, my my hobby collection has cost me so much in my retirement. <laughs> there you go. I swear it's not all the drinking I do at conventions. Uh, I will remain 
uh, commentless on that front. Um, we got enough time, I think, to do one more caster in Mercs, and we're not going to get to Scorn today. Uh, this is going pretty long. Scorn's as it easy. Is. Scorn's easy. Double Derp Turtle. Double Derp Turtle with Risheth, and then whatever else you want with yep, somebody and, else. And honestly, when people get angry with the Derp Turtle, you have to remember that a lot of Scorn stuff in Scorn isn't as powerful as it could be because yeah. they probably have those tur- those turtles. Probably. So, but uh, seeing as Scorn is the one that I'm most likely to purchase for myself at this point, uh, you'll be reading lots of battle reports and theory articles from me anyway. So, although, man, mercenaries. Whew. Um, so, the last one we're going to touch on is General Osram, who is a Rulik Warcaster, and another one that Corey has played an awful lot of. Um... Holy so the, he has stranglehold. Awesome, awesome, awesome is amazing. So the reason I like Awesome and the reason I like the other three casters mentioned is they're all in the active duty roster. And for everyone that doesn't know what the active duty roster is, um, it means you can play them in champions events. So the list you're practicing for regular steamrollers, you can also just take over and play in a champions event, which gives you, in my opinion, gives you a bit of a, a, a bump in ability, the same as um, uh, COC feel right now and Grimkin whenever they end up playing in champions. The other bonus is when you play in a master style event, you get effectively a 40-point sideboard to swap models in and out. Yeah, and I'm going to be honest, I didn't even realize these are the 4 on ADR until just now. These are just the ones I want to play. No, oh, and that's what it is. Merck's got an amazing ADR. They sure did. Ostrom is probably one of my favorite casters to play. And he's, he's a very toolboxy caster, which is why I like him. He's 14-17, so generic stat line. Uh, he's uh, just eh, a pal- eh. That's a pretty good stat line. <laughs> it's, it's, it adds to 31. Yes. And a lot of the casters will add to 31. Sure. Um, um, I like fourteen seventeen though because his feet adds to it. He's mm-hmm. got a pal thirteen half inch range um, melee weapon, which is meh until you read the rules on it, and just a range twelve hand cannon. Mm-hmm. He's got the cool ability, which is tactician rulik. So instead of like normal tacticians where it limits, no, this is just rulik models, Including which means warjacks. So you can actually walk through your own warjacks with Ostrom, then have your warjacks walk right over top of them. And you can have and things I- walk through the battle engines and vice versa. So good. Or you can charge through your own Colossal because you ignore it for line of sight. Yep. So Austin will walk behind a Colossal, charge through it when he feats, move the Colossal back forward, and it walks right over top of his head on the feet turn. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, the, the other bonus is he's got Oathkeeper. So his melee weapon is a crit decap weapon. Mm-hmm. So any any damage bypassing armor of the model hit is doubled, and you take away tough. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's the same rule that... Um... I, I believe you. I finally gave me against Greg. I was down to about 30 seconds, and I'm like, well, let's just roll up to see what I could do against Triumph. So I charged Triumph with him. Boost hit, crit, spike damage. Boost hit, crit, spike damage. No more Triumph. Yeah. I really, 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 at some point, want to play an Ostrom, Ashlyn, and Magnus uh, unbound game and have Ashlyn go first and pop her feet and then have... um, Ostrom affected by her feet when he goes in and just like get that crit decap all the time and kill a colossal. Oh my god, that'd be so good. And then have uh, Gaston go in and just have like four dice to hit, or seven dice to hit, six dice to hit, six dice to hit, six dice to hit on all of his gunshots. And just drop, drop, drop the low, drop the low on the two of your choice. Yep. Sounds like fun. Oh yeah, so here's here's what I like about Ostrom the most. It's not even his feet. It's just a spell. He's got Bullet Dodger. I think this is a great spell on Mark III. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just straight up plus two defense and dodge. Yep. 
No, so if the problem misses you, it, by the way, saved me in a game. It hit me on a wall. Yeah. Uh, plus two defense and dodge is amazing because you can put it on anything you want. It's just mm-hmm. a target friendly faction model. When you're mercenaries, everything is friendly faction. Yep. Um, second spell is Energizer. You're playing Rulic Jacks. Yeah. Adding two more inches to a to a to a basher, a driller, or a gun bunny is super super useful. Mm-hmm. Then he's got fire for effect. So you've got Carnageon as a possibility if you're playing any theme. You've got uh, the mortar. The Rulic mortar is really good. You've got their battle engine with crit stagger. Mm-hmm. So like being able to add an extra dice for the potential crit stagger and then signs importance it is again amazing or not signs importance um Papa Master Papa strings it with uh, the new solo is really good. Mm-hmm. He's got snipe. Yeah, oh like, that that's another, just dumb. Another amazing spell like you can put fire for effect on Eris and then go shot casters. Yeah. Oh, you're or, hidden. Fine, I'll just go shot you. Or you snipe then, Eris and you shoot casters with Eris from twenty two inches away. Yeah, or you snipe 21. the Earthbreaker and just murder something every turn from, like, 16 inches away from it. Yep, so good. Snipe is so, so good with him. And then he's got Stranglehold. Which so is like, the best nuke in the game. Yeah, it, honestly, when you add... I play with Salas. I mm-hmm. only play him in a regulars. I, I think I tried the Rulik theme once and didn't care for it. Um, but I run him in a regulars with Salas, and Stranglehold has won me more games than him than I can count. Oh, yeah. It's it's the best nuke in the game, and it's not even maybe the best thing on his card. Yep. Well, the best thing on his card is his last spell, mm-hmm. which I guarantee is the reason I play him. It's a spell <laughs> called Unstoppable Force, which grants bulldoze to the entire battle group, including which is, himself. Which is like a bunch of speed five lights that can just become speed eight on his feet turn and bulldoze your entire army out of the zones. Speed eight with Pathfinder on a feet turn. Yep. And Energizer. To Energizer too, and Energizer. So a couple of cool tricks is that first thing you have to remember with bulldoze is a rule of jack can bulldoze as many models as he touches once, mm-hmm. but four rule of jacks can bulldoze the same model four times. Uh-huh. So you can theoretically push a caster if you push deep enough into his list right to the table edge, mm-hmm. and cause him to kill box on his turn. Uh, unless they run, yep. Um, or push stuff out of zones to score zones. So no matter how deep in the zone you get, if I have three gun bunnies, I'm probably pushing you out of the zone. If you want a really good example of this on video, if you go on YouTube and search Advanced Maneuvers Osram, they have a video of an Osram player dismantling a Butcher 3 player's list and killing Butcher 3 from, like, nowhere using this spell and his feet. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing watching a good player play an Osram list. Yep. It is one of the most uninteractive things for your opponent that happens in the entire game, but it is also one of the most skill-crazy-capped uh, spells to utilize on his list. Oh, especially if you're trying to just open a hole. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And then his feet, which just gives all friendly Relic models in his control area uh, plus three armor, plus three speed, and Pathfinder. Um, yeah, it's just is... not everything that Merc's... Or that Ostrom needs in his list. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like you're playing slow jacks that a plus three speed buff is really good for. Uh huh. And it's not and like you're playing, playing arm 1890 jacks. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. And it's not like Pathfinder is something, again, dwarves are missing. Yeah. It's not like, you know, Forge Guard don't hate being speed seven, arm 22 with Pathfinder for a turn. No, no, definitely not at all. Ostrom. Awesome doesn't fit the perfect the perfect rule of caster in any way, shape, or form. And by that we mean he does in every way, I, shape. I love, I love him so much. 
He's so, so good. Uh, there's a, a couple of basic ways to play him, right? There's uh, gun bunny spam. Yeah, which is probably the most seen. And that's yep. uh, purely because gun bunnies are super effective. They're a, they're a powerful attack. Uh, so range 12 gun, or you can take the spray bunny, which is a range 8 spray. Again, with powerful attack. Yeah, so that boosts it once. It gets it all the all the hits boosted, all the damage rolls boosted, which is amazing on a spray. Yeah, and then the other thing is that gun bunnies are very cheap monetarily too. It's seventeen dollars for a pair of them, and you only need like eight. So that's a really cheap list right there. Yep. Uh, the other option they have is they have drillers. The driller is a nine point heavy with a decent damage grid. Or sorry, a 10-point heavy with a really good damage grid. Um, and it's a speed 4 jack with sustained attack. I think it's only mat 6, pow 18 with a an open fist. That's a pow 16. Probably one of the yeah. best open fists in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's really nice. And then your second jack you're probably going to pick is um, the basher, which is a 9-point heavy. I think it's 28 boxes. Checking right now. Uh, it's missing eight boxes, so yes, twenty-eight boxes. So it's a twenty-eight point heavy that slams for free. Yep. Has a rule called Grand Slam, which allows you to follow, which which it adds two extra inches to the slam. Mm-hmm. And then has another rule called Follow Up. Called Follow Up, allowing you to follow up and flag field. So, like, if you're just looking to quickly get an assassination on a caster, a basher is actually not a bad tool. Yeah, no. Because you can you can energize it to get the lineup. Yep. That you could feet. theoretically bulldoze after a feat to yep. push a jack two more inches and then slam for another die six plus two. So you, effectively you can slam for a die six plus four. Yeah. And uh, it's just really good. It also can't be knocked down. Um, uh, nope, they can be knocked down. Sturdy is not pushed. Oh, sorry. My bad. And uh, also, this is probably my favorite looking heavy warjack in the game. <laughs> its only weapon is its head. Yeah, and it looks freaking sweet. So I love them by own six. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, one of the other tricks that I haven't seen used much, but theoretically the mass as it works, um, is if you are engaged by a jack that has one inch reach, you can back up to exactly one inch away. You can declare a slam, use unstoppable force, mm-hmm. move one inch, touch him. Unstoppable force does not stop movement. So you then push two inches, you then finish your slam movement, which will have become three inches, mm-hmm. and you yeah, will successfully successful slam a model that was engaging you to start your turn. You could also bulldoze off of walls. So you're actually allowed to, so bulldozing again, anything that doesn't stop movement, because yep. bulldozing doesn't actually stop your movement, you can then do on a flag or a wall. So you can actually bulldoze someone off of a flag as long as you have enough movement to then continue your move. You just can't end on the flag. Mm-hmm. Same, with, same with a wall. So theoretically, a jack hiding behind a wall, you don't roll the hit until after you've slant, moved it off the wall. You can bulldoze it away, take away the two defense, and then boost the slam. Mm-hmm. Such a good such a good jack. Yeah. Or such a great caster with such a great spell list. Yeah, and I mean, even like because Austin plays so many boosted guns, this is also a really good way to um, get an assassination run lined up. Like, say they're touching a wall... You can just run your jack up to that caster, bump him, push him back two inches. He no longer has cover, and then keep running and then shoot the caster to death. Yeah, I honestly love 
like Osher may be one of my favorite casters to play, only because like I don't think I've ever been in a game I felt was not a loss of them. Yeah. Like I've always felt, well, I can always just kill your caster. Yep. Which is deceptive because most people look at Osher they don't see it as an assassination list. Not unless they played against him a couple of times. Yeah. Then you're just like, oh, I'm just going to bulldoze his path, and now I see your caster, and I apply this model to your face. Yeah. He's pretty sweet. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So and... I think on Mercs, we have to make a notable addition to, to the list. I think it's a model not on ADR, but I think he's probably still one of our best in faction. Sure. And that's Damiano. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Like, Damiano has a ton of tools. He just has zero. I have zero interest to play him. Sure. Uh, so let's touch on him real quick. He is the Steelhead caster. He's got a pretty generic stat line except for Matt 7. Um, he can give Steelhead unit uh, one of two things every turn, and he can do this as many times as he wants, up to five per game. Uh, he can either give them repo five or plus two to ranged attack and damage rolls. And he can make his gun an AoE three, which is cool. Um, but what he really brings to the table is Deadeye, which is an additional dice to hit on their first non-spray ranged attack roll. Um, Road to War, which is uh, three inch advance for a Warjack every time something dies, and Surefoot, which is plus two death and no knockdown. Death March is pretty useful. And Death March, because it's got plus two mat. The Vengeance part I consider sort of like uh, icing on the cake, but the plus two mat is awesome. Trenches can sometimes use plus two mat. Yeah. And, uh, but Trenches with Surefoot in clouds are really dumb. Trenches with Surefoot dug in are really dumb. Yep. And his feat is friendly faction models get plus three strength and arm and cannot and can move or be moved only during your turn. So no slams, no throws, no those kind of no place effects. I think so. So no TKs, um, nothing. And, uh, and typically he wants Kingmaker theme, which makes him even better because in Kingmaker theme, all of your warrior models gain feign death. Yes, so if they're not so there... So theoretically, you tow three or four guys in a zone, you feet, and then you're like, okay, well, you can't really charge them to kill them. You shoot, knock them down, and then that guy happens to tough. Now he's feigned out. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty good. And he is extremely powerful. But his model looks like garbage, so... Yeah, his plus two strength and arm on models is definitely not a great feat for a dude that probably wants to run a bunch of infantry. Plus, you can take him with trencher long gunners. Oh, I, I was saying oh. his his physical model. Oh, no, he's gross. Yeah, it looks, looks like garbage. I haven't fully painted Damiano. I've played him four times. Yep. Actually, the only four times I played him was LVO last year. Yep. Because is... I didn't know what I wanted to play, and I'm like, I'll just play Damiano because I want to play Steelhead. Yeah, he's Mr. Value. He's got something for everything. Um, he's pretty straightforward, and he's really good. And he's got an amazing character, Warjack. Yes. Rosinante is such a boss. But he's not an ADR. But he's not an ADR. Also not as pretty as Gaston or Ashlyn, because the new Ashlyn sculpt is amazing. Yes. Yes, for it those is. Of you that, for those of you that bought the mini Crete, you have the best Ashlyn sculpt there is. I haven't opened mine yet. I'm so excited to, once I get completely moved in. That mine is primed, sitting on my paint table waiting for tomorrow. <laughs> Very nice. I figured if I painted her before LVO, I would have played her LVO with zero games. Uh, and I hadn't had even picked a list. That's fair. Yep. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps everything up. Uh, as always, thank you very much to all of our Patreon supporters. Um, 
you are 100% the reason that Chandler and I made it to LVO, and Chandler would never have gotten to go on his crazy run and come forth there. And uh, thank you so much. It was great to meet many of you there, actually, um, and to say hi in person. We love hearing and talking to people that like what we do, and it's it's a lot of fun. If you'd like to check that out and give us a throw us a support, you can do that at Patreon.com/LOSWarMachine. Um, and also thanks to Broken Egg Games. They are the best sponsors we could possibly ask for. They keep us supplied with tokens and trinkets, and we're going to be using uh, their services to put out official line of sight stuff in the next few weeks here. If you'd like to go to their store, you can use the code LOS5CODE, and you get 5% off anything you order, which is an awesome thing they've done for us. Um, if you'd like to check our website out, it's LOSWarMachine.com, and you can find the three of us on Twitter at LOS underscore Chandler, at LOS underscore Jaden, and at ChokeObsessed under L score LL. Do you have a Twitter, Corey? Uh, no. Okay, that's probably for, wise. For those of you that have never met me, I am an old man. <laughs> And by old man, I mean I am 40 and don't understand technology because I grew up in northern Canada where we didn't have it. That's fair. Um, you can email us at loswarmhorns at gmail.com. Please send us your questions or comments so that I can stop re- reading Chandler's Twitch notifications. Uh, I would love to see anything from an actual human being cross that email address's threshold. Um, our Facebook page is Line of Sight. It's a podcast web page. The logo is a giant LOS, and you can give us a like there. Uh, Chandler and I post a lot of our uh, video, or not videos, our article links there. You'll be able to see the streaming links there every Wednesday when they put those up. And you'll also be able to see all of the painting and crafting and dojoing and insanity that we come up with on a daily basis. And of course, you can message any of us on Facebook. Um, we're pretty friendly, and we like to talk about War Machine. Got anything you want to plug, Corey? Uh, we stream Wednesdays. Every stream Wednesday, Wednesdays. we're looking we're looking for a 6.30 start time. 6.30 uh, start the time. Chan- the channel we're streaming right now on is Death Clock Dave mm-hmm. on YouTube. I don't know how that works. I just uh, – he does it for me. Fair enough. Because, again, technologically not savvy. Um, and, yeah, honestly, the Broken A stuff is really cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't like four sets of their tokens and widgets now. Because I'm an yeah. addict. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Uh, and for those of us, there there are a lot of people that are watching or listening, sorry, from a different time zone. So that's 6.30 Pacific Standard Time, right? Correct. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Okay. If, you have, if you have an event you're interested in having someone stream from, shoot us a message. If we can get out that way, we'll come out and we'll uh, transfer cameras up. Yeah. That'll be sweet. Uh, so that was episode 32. Next time we'll have Corey back probably and also Tyson Koch, the re- the reigning organizer of the War Machine Las Vegas Open stuff. And the maker of the, the most awesome tables I've ever played on. The maker of the most incredible tables you'll ever play on. And um, also the other two Line of Sight guys, and we will be back for that. Thanks for listening, everybody.